This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Tanitra, I don't know if you can tell or not, but uh, it is draft day and I am so, so excited. What's going on with you? How you doing? Well, you know, I have on my good gear because whenever we have draft night, we dress up like it is a party. So I have on my dress, my attire as if I'm about to go cover draft night, which I have for the last several years. So, yeah. And I'm dressed like it's back in 2004 when I finished playing. And I was getting called call myself getting ready for the draft. But, it, of course, it didn't end up working out. I wouldn't be here if that was the case. But, hey, it's okay. So, we, um, we're gonna, I'm going to live a dream for at least this first segment you know, and try to do this segment with, uh, with my helmet on. But um, <laughs> if you all aren't um, thrown off about, you know, what I got on my attire, um, I want you to go ahead and uh, continue to – like and subscribe to our youtube page and we are part of locked on sports atlanta yes. you know we we we're almost about a month in now and i hope you guys have gotten used to us and and you continue to come back and support we appreciate you for that so we got a lot on board today we're going to finish up our atl day one's mock draft yes. and we're going to take a t little dive into what terry fondo had to say what did he mean by those comments that he made in the pre-draft presser and also, whoo, nephew is back. That's all yeah. I got to say. We're going to get into that. And also, in for the culture, Peyton Manning did some really good, did a really good thing for one of his former teammates, and we'll get into all that. But first, T, the Falcons have a seventh-round pick. It is the 213th overall pick. And with that pick, who are you taking? Doo -doo. <laughs> I'm going to give special teams a little nod and go with the amazing punter out of Athens, Jake Camarda. I think he nice. is, you really, it's interesting because when you think about special teams, right, you always think it's an afterthought and you may think they can get that person off the street. I've heard that comment as well, but there are certain punters and certain kickers, you think back to even Falcons and Saints former kicker, Morton Anderson. And right. when you're able to do the kinds of things they do or a punter like Ray Guy, if you think about what those type of Hall of Famers are able to do and you can get someone like that who can help you in the process of flipping the field the way he did oftentimes for Georgia, that's exactly who you want in these later rounds. No doubt about it, because there there is is there is value, right? You know, Matt Bosher, he was a, a a piece, he was a weapon for the Atlanta Falcons for a long time. I don't think Thomas Dimitrov gets credit for that because he is a punter, and people right. think like, yeah, you can go out on the street and find somebody, but when he's averaging thirty yards per punt, you know, like three first downs, and it's supposed to be like maybe one or two added on top of that, you would mm -hmm. like, you know, on a professional level. Um, that's when people don't people don't care about punters until until they start, you know, so that, until they see an issue, and, yeah. and you know, and and for the Falcons to for you to pick 
somebody of uh, uh, Jake Camarda's ilk, I think that that would be right on par with what the Atlanta Falcons need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since I know people want to go best player available and all that, but if if Jake is sitting there, which more than likely probably would be, yes. um, I, I think that would be an excellent pick. Now, I think that my pick, though, it is uh, – <clears throat> I'm going offense. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those picks that, you know, kind of goes in line with what Terry Fondo talked about. You know, mm-hmm. we'll get into that, you know, in just a little bit. But uh, I'm going to go with the quarterback out of Texas. Not, I'm not, not Texas a and I'm sorry. Alabama a and mm-hmm. um, Akil Glass. Okay. So I get I get a quarterback, and HBCU, Alabama a and mm-hmm. He's a big kid, super strong arm. And I think this, he kind of falls in line with what the Falcons r- really want from that position mm-hmm. this year. And that's a guy they can work with. That's a guy they can kind of get into their system, bring him in, have him learn, not mm-hmm. really have to worry about having any pressure on him to perform and, and go mm-hmm. out there and play so soon or before he's ready. And and I think he's the guy, the type, just the type of guy that Arthur Smith can work with. If he, if he can revive Ryan Tannehill's career, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all for a project quarterback um, late in this draft. So, but speaking of quarterbacks, and of course, Akil. Just to add to that, he is an HBCU, a former HBCU player of the year, mm-hmm. who has played and stepped up in many important games, including championship games. So that, that's definitely a positive and uh, potentially good sneak of a pick at quarterback. Yeah, I, I, would, I would love if the Falcons uh, took a chance on the young man. Give him a shot because, like I said, the, the talent is definitely there. He's played in some postseason um, bowl games as well. Uh, and and has shown that hey he belongs. So um, I, if if the Falcons take him in that in that late round, I would be more than excited to check him out and get a chance to kind of cover him and and have some conversation with the young man out of Alabama A and M. All right. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, T. Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith had their pre pre draft press conference a couple mm-hmm. of days ago, and and I think there were a couple of comments that you know. I wanted to kind of throw at you that it really kind of was I thought was very interesting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the first one is he was kind of asked about next year's draft, right? Because we know the quarterback class, there's a consensus that the quarterback class this year is not at, up to the level as the one that's going on next year. And he right. kind of got asked that, right? Mm-hmm. And he said the first thing first thing that came out of my mouth was is we have to live in the moment. Right. We can't think about next year's draft and what that seems to me it seems like maybe that's why he might be all in all in the first round to to maybe draft him a Malik Willis Mm -hmm. but it can mean so many things though so what do you hear when 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 he um made that made that statement yeah I, I hear that there is flexibility to get a quarterback I don't know necessarily that I believe that they'll go with that person with that quarterback in the first round at the top of the first round but i wouldn't be shocked if as they're watching the board if they see a quarterback like uh, desmond ritter or sam uh, howell out of um, north carolina and of course desmond ritter out of cincinnati if they miraculously are still on the board i could see them maybe trading up and trading back into the first round to get that quarterback 
I don't know if I see them going with the quarterback at eight, however. And one, but I will tell you this if they do go at eight, I wouldn't be shocked because we all know that this process has been accelerated by what didn't happen with Deshaun Watson and what did happen with Matt Ryan. So that, of course, accelerated us into 2022 and picking a quarterback. But I, I still feel like he's. Basically, what Terry Fontenot is saying is that there is openness there for it. There's a willingness. And, hey, th- like he said, their their board is done, right? They, they are right. walking into tonight with that board already done. However, he also said that there was flexibility to trade up or trade down, and he's still taking calls. You know what? To be honest with you, I think flexible is the kind of the, the, the way you have to be in this year's draft, right? Mm-hmm. Because – you know, I think the one thing that stood out last year in last year's draft, pretty much everybody knew who the first three picks were going to be. So, and really, the first know, thirteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You know, because you know, and 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 if you're sitting there, you know, with the fourth overall pick, and you know exactly who's going to be off the board when you pick, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's easy. I'm yes. good. You know, the first round pick is done. Oh, let's move on to the second round mm-hmm. and see and see if we can work the phones or, like you said, make a trade or, or something like that. They end up not doing that, but. You know, that's the kind of feeling that you had last year. But this mm-hmm. year is totally different. Yeah. He doesn't have – I've seen mocks where uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has failed to eight. Yes. You know, I've seen where Jermaine Johnson, who I thought would probably be available at eight, mm-hmm. potentially not be available there because yeah. the Jets are rumored to be one to want to take him with, at the – you know, in the top five. So mm-hmm. those are all the things that I think he has to um, think about. Yes. When, when going through, you know, what, who could be available at that moment when they go through their mock drafts, their mm-hmm. internal mock drafts. And, and I think that, you know, it's good to hear that he says that, you know, the, the flexibility is, is, is the main key for him because, like, you have to be flexible when you have pretty much no clue who you, who's going to be there when you pick at eight. Yeah, because this year, really unlike the last two years, and I think about, you, you mentioned Kayvon uh, Thibodeau as one who may be there, may not be there. Trayvon Walker, another one who has vaulted to the top of the board. But then even in the last 24 hours, I've heard people say he's going to be back and available, possibly uh, high teens. And it's like, my goodness, like how can there be so much flux? But again, I'm sure that is also those backdoor chess matches, right? In the back office chess matches that are happening where maybe people are hearing some buzz here and there, and then maybe other people are just, it's conjecture, and people are just going after that because that's what's trending today. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens with that first pick and maybe even the second or third pick to kind of set where the rest of the boards go and where the rest of the draft goes tonight. We will definitely see that. I know I'll be sitting in front of my television. I may still have my helmet on, T, but I may not because it's starting to hurt my head already, and we're only 10 minutes into the show. So, (laughs) hey, guess what? The Braves lost last night, but they darn sure got – they they won today. They won this morning. (laughs) No doubt about it. We will talk about that next and tell you why they were winning on ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and T on Locked On Sports Atlanta. 
Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra, that's Jarvis, and we are glad that you are back with us. And of course, we appreciate you guys supporting the podcast, and we ask that you just continue to support and tell a friend to go and get us wherever you get your podcast on any platform. And of course, you can go on YouTube, and you know how you find us? Simply search on Locked On Sports Atlanta, and you'll find us along with the crew from Atlanta to get all things sports going. So we'll talk all things sports. Sports, Falcons, Braves, Hawks. We've talked about the Falcons. We're both very excited about what's going on with them, right? And even though we're not, we weren't excited about what happened last night with the Braves, we are excited about what happened with them this morning. But to recap from last night before we tee into the good stuff, we'll talk about the fact that unfortunately, Charlie Morton had another rocky start, two and a third innings, three runs given up. And in an eventual 6-3 loss in extras, unfortunately, Tyler Matza got rocked too. <laughs> so that's how you Man. got to that point. But one of the goods of last night was getting Dansby Swanson sort of back in his stride. He hit a key single in the eighth inning to just put the Braves in position to get to extras, even though they weren't able to complete the comeback. So that was very positive. And you even heard Brian Snicker talking about a post game, how he's really excited and hopes that that will give Dansby some momentum. And, you know, Charlie Morton is just as baffled as we are, Jarvis, about why his stuff isn't as good as it was last season. And who knows? You and I and everybody have been pontificating on what was wrong with Eddie Rosario all these weeks. And finally, a couple of days ago, we figure out something's wrong with his site. So who knows with Charlie Morton, maybe there's something wrong there physically that the Braves have to kind of eke out and figure out how to help him to get back on track. You know what? That's, I mean, it's interesting that you said it because I know, you know, he, he talked about how he felt, you know, felt in spring training. So he felt mm -hmm. good and everything. He felt like his stuff was there. And, you know, it seems like in baseball that like that is that is the most common term ever stuff. Yeah. You know, you hear Brian Snicker. Oh, yeah, 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 it is like, yeah, he got some good stuff. Y'all thought he had good stuff, you know, right. Heck, you, know. you know, that's kind of Snickers thing. But, you know, to hear him kind of talk about it and to see how reflective he was, mm -hmm. it, I thought it was it was interesting. But also in the back of my mind, I was like, man, is this dude about to get ready to retire? You know, right. that, that was kind of the vibe I got when, you know, just reading his comments mm -hmm. and everything. I was just like, OK, but, you know, I, and he kind of gave you a peek into the mind of a professional athlete. And a lot of times you just don't get that in, in postgame pressure because, right. you know, essentially he's being vulnerable you know mm -hmm. to to the media and for him to hear him talking about how even pitch by pitch yes. in his mind saying okay was that a good one okay mm -hmm. why didn't this dude swing at that pitch like yes. okay normally he'll swing at this yeah, he didn't he swing at this that. last year yeah. and i'm just like oh my god like this is yeah. fascinating stuff mm -hmm. so um i hope it you know you almost at a point where you almost hope it's physical mm -hmm. if i can say that you know um versus mental because you know once you once 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 you get in your head your own head about you know doubting yourself or, or having too much confidence in yourself about doing certain things and how you can do them it that's when you know you start to see those slumps because we you know baseball is almost always always about up and down you know it's almost like the stock market you know baseball players they go through lows right and this is the thing that you know he got off to a slow start last year so i think that hopefully this is something that he can get turned around and you know and it is something physical 
whether or not okay my wind up and i'm not doing this or but um i i am confident though that he's going to at least try to get it figured out because he's a guy that you know at his age you know he studies you know he's studying that film and going back and watching and and, and looking at the numbers and everything because we know baseball is all about the numbers and seeing what is absolutely wrong and and i just hope that he gets it figured out as well yeah, and speaking of getting things figured out and hopefully getting things turned around, the Braves have figured out that it was time for Ronald Acuna Jr. to complete his rehab assignment. They understood the assignment and brought him back up today. So you go back two days ago and we hear from the Braves saying, hey, that Tuesday morning start, that's a little too early, 11 a.m., AAA, Gwinnett, we'll just keep him on the shelf until Wednesday. So fast forward to last night, he's two for five. And instead of playing just seven innings, he plays nine innings. And then early bird style this morning, they tell us that they indeed are calling him back up. So now the last thing that Alex Anthopoulos said was he'd still projected you know, May 6th as a return, possibly uh, May 2nd. As yep. mm -hmm. his early bird return. Right, exactly. And he'd get, go on the road with them to face the Mets or an early bird, an earlier bird return this Friday. Well, it's Thursday. And yeah. he's And yes. I'm, I'm sure Truist Park will be rocking. I'm interested to see how they use him, whether or not he's going to go into that DH role, mm. where whether or not he's going to actually, you know, play outfield. Like, how is it going to really go for him? I'm very interested to see how they they work him or use him. But certainly, individuals who have seen him up front, I, I hadn't had a chance to get out to Gwinnett to see him, but everybody who's seen him from spring training to Gwinnett on to even today, they say he's back. I mean, he's back and he said he feels like he's back. So exciting time for for the Braves and whether it the, the other piece there I was thinking about is this, whether it's what he does on the field tonight or not, or if he does it tomorrow, Monday or even all the way next Friday, I believe that he's also a jolt of energy because they know that they have in him a potential NL MVP, a game changer, obviously a franchise changer coming back to truest today you know what the and i think the main thing you said that he said he feels like he's back right he feels like he's ready and i think that's probably what sped up this process because mm -hmm. when you think about nephew ronnie ronald acuna for those who don't end done with it i call him a nephew that's how i feel about him that's you know that's a term of endearment so yeah. when you talk about him as being a, a competitor right you know mm -hmm. he he knows how he feels he knows his body better than anyone in that organization yeah. and if he says he's ready go ahead and bring him back because when you talk about even last night even the Gwinnett stripers knew mm -hmm. that he was he was ready because like I said the plan was to play seven he ended yeah. up playing nine and he ended up balling out he had mm -hmm. some stolen bases as well so all of those things kind of play into the factor of like mm -hmm. all right Mm, this lineup is semi-struggling, you know. Yeah. Um, and they've been waiting on Nephew to come back. Mm -hmm. So why not go ahead and bring it back? And yeah. if he says he's ready, I believe him. I, so I believe him. I believe him. I believe that he's ready. I believe that he's 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 looking to to make an impact when he comes back. And and like I said, I think the the key thing is is just how Snicker will use him. Yeah. Um, I think. I think you made a great point as well with that is, you know, the DH piece, right? Because, you know, Travis DeMerit is, is kind of settled in at right mm -hmm. field. Not to say that 
he's going to uproot um, nephew for Ronald Acuna for coming back there. But, you know, you can use him at DH so you can slow play it a little bit because, you know, nobody knew who was going to be the guy to kind of step in and be that right. guy. Because, you know, um, Eddie Rosario went out and then Alex Dickerson had, was absolutely horrible. That's why yeah. he was designated That's for assignment. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's why he's That's got why his he's butt on right on the bottom there. So <laughs> we'll, we'll holler at you, buddy. And uh, so I, I think that with Demerit being as solid, especially defensively, yes. you know, he's, yeah. a, he's a good piece out there in the outfield. So you can slow play it. So you can just get him on a DH pop him in that lead up spot and I think a lot of people are going to benefit from him in the lineup because he's where he needs to be and I think the main guy that can, first guy that comes to mind is a guy that I saw on a national commercial last night uh Ozzy Albies yes. Ozzy Albies going down into that fifth slot oh man that is exactly where he needs to be because I think he I believe wholeheartedly that he's a 30 home run um 100 RBI type guy and if he's in a position to you know drive people in in that slot which it is, um, I, I think. I think the Braves definitely are going to get a jolt, like you said. Right, and that when you think about him being in the five hole, it's very interesting because he's been one of the bright spots on offense, obviously defensively, but he's been one of the bright spots on offense, no matter where they put him in the batting order. But to have him in what I'll call his natural position in the middle of the order, yeah, I think that would be gangbusters. And like you said, you'll see a trickle down effect because you'll see, especially at the top in the middle of the order, you're going to mm -hmm. see players going back to their natural spaces. And then you're going to see us. I think you're going to see the Braves start to get into what more of what they were last year, which was a team that could get hits and get you on base when they actually started getting their rhythm and they're able to drive runs in as opposed to just being this solo shot type of team that we've seen thus far uh, this season. So love to see it. We'll talk about it. Hopefully we got some big news for you guys, some exciting news on the draft front, on the Ronald Acuna Jr. front, and even on the Braves front, because if they get this win tonight, then we get the first series win of the season and speaking again of winning we try to stay on a positive note here there is something that peyton manning has done to show us the kind of winner that he always is not just on the field but off the field we'll talk about it when we come back in our segment for sports and entertainment and where the intersection meets is for the culture join us on the other side we'll tell you all about it Welcome back into the ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. This is the last segment of the day, and it is one that we is, I believe, Tanitra, I don't know about you, but it is one of my favorites. It is for the culture. Uh, before we get into the for the culture, though, because I think this is probably one of the, one of the more important uh, uh, things that we've seen done for uh uh, uh, a player posthumously is uh, I think it's really 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 cool and I think definitely we'll need to talk touch on it but I want to give a quick shout out to all of the people who have liked and subscribed to our YouTube page Locked On Sports Atlanta we are ATL Day Ones we also have A to Z with Mark Zeno and Hitting Hard with John Chuckery you have been you know coming out in droves and, and support and we ask that the people who haven't Go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube page. And, you know, if you have any issues and anything like that on how to do that, just go to YouTube, type in the search box, Locked On Sports Atlanta, and we'll pop up. Like, subscribe, comment. We love responding to your comments, and you all have been doing that, and we really, really, really appreciate you. And don't forget, we can always find us on all the audio platforms wherever you download your podcast. Yeah. T, uh, when you think about 
what you know Peyton Manning, who he is as a football player. I just know that I I, I think about spokesman. I hear mm -hmm. I think Super Bowl winner, but when he does what he did for Demarius Thomas, you know I I think I think uh you know. Uh, Philanthropist is a word that um, I don't think it would be too far fetched, right, to use in this right. in this particular case. Right. And um, he set up a scholarship fund through Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. and um, it is uh, it would award need based scholarships to incoming freshmen from Lawrence County, where mm -hmm. Thomas was born and raised, and mm -hmm. or surrounding areas. And you know we all know what type of player. Um, um, Demarius Thomas was, yes. you know, um, he was all American. He made four Pro Bowls and, and he played ten years in the league. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, he passed away at a young age, the young tender age of thirty-three. Yeah. So um, I think that was one of the reasons why it was kind of such a sad situation. But Peyton Manning is having his, you know, Demarius Thomas' name live on mm -hmm. through setting up this scholarship fund through Georgia Tech, and I think, like, I, I think all the kudos has to kind of go has to go off go off to Peyton. Yeah, I, I really was excited when I saw this article because, of course, they Manning being from the New Orleans area, like I am, I'm always excited. You almost forget he's from there, right? <laughs> I never right. do. <laughs> I was, <laughs> of course. My bad. I'm yeah. talking to the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some Mannings. So I'm right. always happy to talk about some Mannings on, on this uh, podcast. But yeah, it, it reminds me of the things that they always were known for doing and continue to be known for doing in our community right. back home. But for him, it stretches even beyond that because obviously Demarius Thomas, as well as Peyton Manning, meant so much to the Denver Broncos organization while they were there. And you hear so many positive things. Like I can just remember the players who were taking to social media on the day that we all found out that uh, Bebe, is, his nickname is, was no longer with us. And it, it just really hurt. And for all, those of you who may know his story, uh, just coming from uh, South Georgia and how he was able to you know, defy the odds, if you will, and just really was that great guy who, as we say, gone too soon. But what a way to just honor his legacy. And one of the things I love about it is it's need-based. Because yes. when you think about Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech is likely about scholarships that are merit-based and just mm -hmm. coming from where I came from, that was one thing that I always appreciated because I went to a private school as well for college, just like Georgia Tech is. And you may get your tuition covered right. if you have a scholarship, but that room and board and those books and all of the things that help you to really maintain and sustain, sustain yourself, first of all, from point A to point B, and secondly, from freshman year to senior year, you need that extra resource. So I love the fact that this is need-based. I think that was very, very insightful on the part of Peyton Manning and certainly speaks to what I'm sure Demarius Thomas would have wanted. No doubt about it. And I, and I think that when you put all those things together, right, we shouldn't even be surprised that Peyton Manning is doing something like this. And the work you talked about with him, with the work that he does in New Orleans and, and just just being just an astute businessman and just being just a, a citizen. Like, we've never heard anything bad about Peyton Manning. And for him to, you know, do something like this, we, you know, with Demarius Thomas and, you know, the, the teammate, you know, the effect that he had on him. You not only talked about, 
you know, the 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 player and who he was right. on the field, but he talked about the type of person that he yes. was and he called him a friend. And like you said, you know, a lot of people talk about locker rooms and, and the makeup. Like a lot of times these guys aren't friends, you know. Right. You know, right. they don't have to be friends off the field. So and for you know, Peyton and Demarius Thomas to be able to establish this type of relationship and for him to do this after you know, after his death, I think that this is something that it just lets you know yes. exactly what the effect that Thomas had on Peyton himself. And before we get out of here, T, mm -hmm. I gotta talk about this. So growing up in a, growing up growing up and going to stand at my grandma's house during the summertime, you know, right. there was one thing that was always on the TV. The price is right. <laughs> and when I came across this video, it kind of got me a little concerned because uh -huh. um, there was a, there was a guy, there was a gentleman, you know, who had to bid on the cost of a vacation, mm -hmm. and then um, Drew was Drew Carey was standing right there, and they they um, unveiled where where the vacation was too. It was Tybee Island, yeah. and you could tell by the way I just said it, and the look on the guy's face who had the bid on. He was like, uh, "Georgia, uh, Georgia, like where is that?" You know. So, and those who don't know where it is, uh, shame on you. You know, it's right outside Savannah. So, um, the look on his face, and, and and then when they started showing the videos of it, you know, there was a person commenting on it, and, and I thought it was very true was the fact that <laughs> the water ain't that blue and uh Tommy Island's water is a uh, it's a little dark. So I don't know where they got those pictures from, but you know, for for them to be giving away a vacation to Tommy Island, no no shade, but uh is prices right running out of money? <laughs> if, if you if you see it or if you've heard about it, it literally looks like something from one of those timeshare commercials or those timeshare brochures that you receive where it's all smoke and mirrors. And so, yeah, he, yes. and by the way, the funny thing is he didn't even, even win, but I don't think he would have cared to win anyway. Right. <laughs> the island. But hopefully, Jarvis, there is somebody, whether he is at number eight, whether the Falcons go up or down, hopefully there's somebody that you and I will get a chance to speak to or hear from tonight that is yes. excited about going to Flowery Branch. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll get your, get you guys' reactions, hopefully in our comments, and we'll give you guys our reactions. And hopefully it's a hell yeah, because that's <laughs> a great hell yes for our number eight picks. Uh, Jarvis, you want to tell them your number eight pick one more time before we wrap this thing? Jermaine Johnson. And you know who comes Jermaine yes. Johnson. Yes. So Jermaine we, Johnson. Yes, Let's go. we want <laughs> to see that on the board. So that was our hell. Yeah. And really our hell no was just don't go, don't, don't go and ask somebody to the receiver room on, on, on day one. Just don't. Just just don't. So Please it'll be Lord. interesting to see what happens on night one of the NFL draft. We'll talk about that. And if Ronald Acuna does anything great. We'll absolutely talk about that as well. And we still have some Hawks talk for you. So come back for us tomorrow. We appreciate you dropping by ATL Day Ones as your number one stop on the Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. But don't forget to stop by A to Z to hear from Mark Zeno as well to give you straight notation talk about the sports scene in Atlanta. See you tomorrow.